How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. As we welcome in basketball, Jones, Sonny Carton. Sonny, I don't remember the last time. Did I have you on last year? This has become like a yearly thing where we went around the NBA a little bit. You are Mr. Basketball, Basketball Jones. You could educate me and the listeners on the NBA. Last year, right, we had you on to talk about some hoops? Yeah, it must have been about 10 months ago, something like that for sure. Yeah, do you, what do you know, the exact date? 10 months ago? I'm saying about a year, <laughs> yeah, 10 months ago. By the way, have you done any shows? What's going on? you have any holiday shows coming up here, hosting some shows on the fan? I don't know. Uh, to be decided in regards to the fan, but I've been doing a Knicks postgame show uh, every week except for this week because I've been dealing with a lot of school stuff, but I've been trying to get some more content out there. Don't let school get in the way of a good Knicks podcast. What are you on, Twitter spaces and things like that? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing, actually. Twitter spaces over with my guys at U Stadium and just uh, been trying to be consistent, trying to do post games, tell the people what's up. Love it. And your love for basketball is unmatched. That's why you called Basketball Jones. That's why I wanted to have you on. All right, let's start with the Knicks. So we were texting a little bit or, uh, you know, DMing a little bit about the Knicks. And I was reading some of the tweets that you, you know, put out there about the Knicks not having any identity and things like that. And obviously they've been, you know, uh, average at best. But these last two nights, they played pretty well. Overall, what's your assessment so far on your New York Knicks through the first 15 games? Right now, to me, the Knicks are a classic example of a 500 team. They're going to beat the teams that they're better than, and they're going to lose to the teams that they're worse than. And it sounds simple saying that, but that's just what the case is with this team. Now, around the league, I like to refer to some guys as elevators. And the best teams in the NBA have multiple guys on the team that are elevator-type guys. They elevate the guys around them. And any given night, they're going to come in and make it harder to beat them. The only guy I see on this Knicks team that can do that, at least semi-consistently, is Jalen Brunson. Because to me, he's the only guy who I'd even consider elite at his position. Everyone else on the Knicks, you don't know what you're getting that night. Tonight, Julius was awesome, over 30 points scored. He had a great game tonight. But then you have nights like a few nights ago against the Thunder where he absolutely comes up unprepared. So from the standpoint of that, I think it's really troubling. And the Knicks are going to have to figure out how to get more guys to show up consistently. That being said, they are a 500 team, meaning, like I said, they do beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Coming into a game tonight against Denver with no Jokic, no Aaron Gordon, you're supposed to win this matchup. And that's what they did, which they really escaped because uh, Bontan or Jamal Murray had a chance to tie the game there at the end, and he missed the three. So I was on the edge of my seat there. But uh, the, the Knicks team, it's really confusing how some of the rotations have gone, and I'm not really sure I'm liking tips so far. Well, what don't you like about Tibbs? I mean, we saw his first year. It was, oh, my God, how great has Tibbs been? The defense, they play hard. They don't have a consistent effort, sure. Last year was a disappointing year. I mean, I look at it and say, I don't know how I could blame Tibbs necessarily. I don't know if he's the answer or if the game has passed him by or just evolved to a point where you need a new coach. What don't you like about Tibbs? 
Well, to me, the biggest struggle so far for this Knicks team has been consistent defensive effort. And the one guy who I understand he was injured at the beginning of the season, but I can't understand for the life of me why Quentin Grimes has been left out of this rotation. He's a guy that, at least on paper, gives you some of the best three-point shooting on the team and is the best point-of-attack defender that we have outside of Cam Reddish and an R.J. Barrett who's really struggled this year on the defensive side of things. So to me, I don't understand why when you have a guy who can fill both of those needs that I just mentioned on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball, I don't understand why he hasn't been, been given more of a position to show his talents, to show his skill, especially when coming off the rumors in the offseason that he was one of the main things that halted a potential trade package for Donovan Mitchell out there because we didn't want to include Quentin Grimes. So to me, it's kind of in a situation where if you're going to commit to the young players, play them, and if you're going to try to win games, then go out go out and trade those guys to get me established stars who I know can win games. Well, who would you, because I like the idea of the shortened rotation, and it's worked at least for two games here, and I'm with you on Grimes, right? I want to see what he could do. If he's a guy with high potential, look, the Knicks can't shoot. So we could get into that specifically in RJ and all that stuff as we go on here, but they need more shooting. Grimes, to your point, can be a guy who could provide more shooting. Oh, and by the way, some defense, but if you're going to keep a short rotation, who whose minutes is Grimes going to take from the Knicks right now? You know, that's a great question, and I'm looking at it here to try to see the minute distribution. I, I think it's going to have to be more of a thing where he doesn't necessarily take one guy's spot, but some minutes just get bumped down. I mean, so far, the minutes rotation, it's been really spread out. RJ's leading the team minutes at 34. Mm-hmm. So I can't necessarily point to one guy and say that's whose minutes he should take. But but I think as, as Derek Rose starts to get used more and more, he's you know he's going to be in the second lineup. And I think Fournier, he's played 20 minutes a game so far. I mean, he has to be out of the rotation. Now, I understand how the NBA works better than a lot of people in regards to the cap situation. And the guys who are paying money have to be on the floor, especially a guy like Evan Fournier, who, in my eyes, the best-case scenario would be trying to up his trade value and get him out of here at the deadline to try to put him on a contender to see if we could get some assets for him. But to answer your question, it's not necessarily about one guy taking out and placing his minutes, but it's figuring out a consistent group of lineups that we're going to trust to be able to close. Right. Or if the start, or as we saw all of last year, we had one of the worst starting fives, I think the worst starting five in the NBA. And what kept us in games was our second unit. So I think it's less important to figure out which guy's going to be replaced and to figure out what cohort or what kind of platoon of guys you're going to be able to sub in. You've seen it a lot with Quickly and Toppin. Toppin's been our best shooter so far this year. That's been a surprise. Which is so, sad. I mean, Toppin, it, is just, he's not a three-point shooter, so I don't care what he did at college. He's not a good three-point shooter. He may be better exactly. since he got here, but he's not a good three-point shooter. Well, I agree. That's the saddest part because, to your point, I mean, he didn't come into the league shooting 42% from three like he's doing this year, so there's no excuse for why he should have been the only guy to take a jump while everyone else is pretty stagnant. I mean, literally, I'm looking, there's no one on the Knicks shooting above 35% from three except for Ovi Toppin and Steve McKaylee, who literally has taken one shot on the season. So you watch, and look, I, you know, I'm not, we don't need specifics where I was asking you know, whose minutes he's going to take, but I guess my point was they're shortening the rotation for a reason, right? They want to keep a smooth rotation. I look at Derrick Rose, and I know he's a backup point guard, and obviously Grimes is going to be a two guard. So then is it either or quickly or Grimes? Maybe they look to move Emmanuel quickly, and then Grimes can slide in and take those minutes. I guess that's kind of why I was bringing that up to you. But, Sonny, you watch. We're talking with Sonny Carton, Basketball Jones. You watch a lot of NBA in a in an era where it's all about shooting and all about the three-pointer. I mean, how are the Knicks supposed to compete well, they don't have any shooters on their team. They're not. And you're seeing the issue not just with the Knicks, but around the league. Every single team, the best team in the league right now, across the board are the teams that are knocking down shots. 
And you have a team out there like the Utah Jazz, who on paper have no established stars outside of Larry Markin, who's taken a huge jump this year. But that being said, every single guy on that team is an above-average NBA player, and they're knocking down shots because they're moving the ball and they're hitting open threes. So I love that you make that point because I tried to bring that up after every single Knicks game. I look at the, the shots that they made and whether they went in or not. And in the NBA, more than ever, it's a make-or-miss league, and you're 100% right. When you can't shoot the ball, it doesn't matter what else you do. It doesn't matter how many turnovers you limit. It doesn't matter how many fast break points you have. It doesn't matter how well you did on the on the offensive or defensive glass. If you can't shoot the ball in today's league, you're going to have a real tough time beating even the worst teams. Because nowadays, it's all about the three ball. And you're seeing this problem in Brooklyn a little bit too, which is honestly even more surprising because on paper, they had some shooters. But you're in a position where you can't rely on one guy anymore. It just it doesn't work. You saw tonight in Golden State, Steph dropped 50 points, and they lost by 10 to the Suns because the rest of the team couldn't hit shots. Clay was like 5 of 16, Jordan Poole 0 of 5. If you can't have consistent guys to step up and hit threes, you're not going to be successful. Knicks will be playing the Warriors Friday night in Golden State. Look, you or uh, in San Francisco where they move now. Um, you look at this team. Now, you mentioned they don't have the shooters, right? And we talk about the offense in today's game. You mentioned you don't like Tibbs because of the rotation. Is Tibbs a problem as far as the offensive scheme goes? Ball movement, shoot the three, whatever it may be. Is he more of an old-school defensive guy? I know he's going to say he could evolve and he could coach offense too. What do you think as far as the X's and O's from Tibbs? Is he Could he be the guy, or do they definitely need to change there as far as maybe opening it up offensively? Well, in my opinion, I think they should open it up offensively either way. I Personally, I think they should bring in a new coach. That being said, I don't think it has been on Tibbs so far this season, specifically with the X's and O's. I think he's made fine adjustments so far. I think he, he started off the season slower, but I think in these past few games he's been better. To me, it really falls more on Leon Rosa and the disconnect that seems to be stemming from uh, Thibodeau and the front office. Because when I look at this roster, you talk about, back to your question earlier, about who I would replace or how with the limited um, rotation, what guys are going to see more play. It, it's a real problem that we have right now because we're trying to get our guy, Obi Toppin, who's the best shooter on our team on the floor. But the guy who he would take his spot is Julius Randle, who right. we have a lot of money going to. And you see a similar thing going on with Emmanuel Quickly right now where you remember those last 15 games at the end of the season when it was just Quickly and Toppin running the show. Quickly really looked like he could have developed into our point guard in those last few games. Yeah, I but checked out that at that point. In, I was out exactly. at that point. They stunk. Well, but now that you bring in Brunson, it, it literally it it narrows the amount of improvement that quickly is able to show because his spot is now taken by someone that we've committed money to. So I don't think it's as much on Tibbs as it would be on the disconnect between the front office of signing guys like Hartenstein, Mitchell Robinson, Brunson to these contracts, while at the same time we're trying to develop our draft picks that we've never been able to develop in my lifetime. Right, they're kind of in no man's land. They have some talent to win now to potentially be a 500 team, but they also need to develop the young talent to see if you could have a potential all-star or two. I mean, how do we know? Maybe Grimes could be an all-star, which, by the way, that's what they need. I look at this team, Sonny, and I've been saying this for a while. I'm curious to get your take on this. You mentioned it before where they have a bunch of guys who are up and down. Randall, when he plays like he did last night, they could be very good. But unfortunately, can't do that consistently. I agree with you that Brunson's the one guy who, whether you look at him as a, a number one or number two, a legit number three, whatever, he's at least consistent and productive. R.J. Barrett, inconsistent. And if not inconsistent, flat out bad, he can't shoot. I look at the Knicks and say their biggest problem is Julius Randall and R.J. Barrett. Um, 
I, I have a hard time saying that because they're two of our best players. But at the same time, I, I don't think you're wrong in saying that it's a problem when you try to construct a winning roster around two players that have never really showed you outside of one good year from Julius and one year from RJ when there were no fans in the crowd that they can be those guys. So once again, is it on them for getting paid? Absolutely not. Right. It's on the front office and it's on us for giving them that role and giving them that responsibility to carry the team. Now, do I think they'll never turn into those players? I think RJ is a better shot because Julius is already well-established in the league by now, even though RJ is no rookie anymore either. So I don't think those two are the biggest problem with this team per se, but I think when you look at the roles they're being asked to do, because like I said earlier, you can only do what you're asked to do in the NBA. So when you get paid a certain contract, certain expectations come with that contract, obviously. And that's what I see is happening from Julius and RJ right now, where it's not their fault that they got paid. But especially when you're playing in New York, you can't just get paid and go out with stinkers like this every night. You have to show up every single night once you get that contract, and you have to show that you're built to play in New York, and especially when you get the type of money that RJ and Julius have gotten, and you get the quote-unquote keys to the city that they've gotten, you have to show up every night. So is it their fault? No, but they are certainly the problem. Sorry, we're talking with Sonny Carton, basketball Jones, of course, going around the NBA. We'll do Knicks. I'll get into the Nets in a little bit, and then just your thoughts a, a little around the league. Give me last one on the Knicks here. Where do you think the Knicks end up? I mean, I don't know what they're going to do trade-wise or whatever. Hey, you can give me your thoughts on that, too, how you think it plays out, where the Knicks go for it. Do they try to start trading some players and you know try to rebuild again for next year or strip it down a little bit? Where do you think, though, the Knicks end up end of the year Eastern Conference? Um, The fan in me right now says we'll end up right around that 7-8 seed where we are today. I think there's some teams below us that'll creep up. I think the Heat, they're not going to be as bad as they are. The Sixers are obviously not going to finish below us. But when you look at the NBA so far this season, it's very eerily similar similar to how the NFL season started off, where even right now, outside of, I mean, outside of the Celtics who are, and the Bucks who are kind of running away, the Hawks are 9-6 and six sitting at third. So a good 10-12 game stretch from the Knicks on, on this next upcoming uh, trip out west or even the, the homestand after we get back from out west, like if you put a good string of six to seven games together, you're sitting right in the top three seed in the East. So you remember that year with the four seed, it's kind of how things played out also where the Knicks weren't that great of a team. It's just that people around the league, the other teams around the league were very mediocre. So I think if we're staying at 500 right where we are now, I see us in the seven, eight seed spot. And, and I don't think we'll make any major pushes down the line unless it comes for trading the guys like Julius and RJ, which I don't see as a possibility right now. Once again, I mentioned that I do think they could look to try to increase Fournier's trade value a little bit to get him out of here. That way we're not just eating up the dead cap space of him sitting on the bench. And I do think if he can show that he can knock down the three, there will be a contender looking out for him. So I guess I'd say right around that 7-18, but I don't see the Knicks making any major roster changes. I see them trying to play out this season and trying to sneak into the playoffs. One thing I will say is I've never loved the look of Evan Fournier more than him glued to the bench. Keep him there. He does nothing. All right, how about, <laughs> I agree. How about Brooklyn? Can they, and I want to get your thoughts on who's legitimate and who's not in the Eastern Conference, and of course we'll go over the West, but how about Brooklyn? We know the, forget the Kyrie stuff and the off-the-court stuff. Assuming Kyrie comes back at some point soon here, can they, Sonny, finally put it together and be a threat, a legitimate threat in the East with KD and Kyrie and company? On paper, it's almost impossible to say no, but having experienced the Brooklyn Nets over the past three seasons, my gut tells me that they will not be able to put it together because they're not a team like Golden State that's had the benefit of playing with the same guy for 10 years now 
where you saw in their championship season, Draymond, Steph, and Clay played one single game together in the regular season in, uh, in that championship year. They don't have the benefit of having those reps with each other. So I don't think they're going to be able to put it together where they're only going to have, what, 30, 40 games together before the playoffs start as a whole unit. I don't see it happening. And Ben Simmons is a shell of himself. So from the Nets standpoint, that quote that came out from KD in, in the article the other day was really striking to me. And I think it, it, it kind of is a microcosm of the whole Nets situation where right now the Nets are just an absolute mess. And it, it's no mistaking that Joe Sy was put in a very tough position at the beginning of 2019 when Kyrie and KD came over and all the stuff happened with Corona, all the stuff you said we would have mentioned. That being said, it's hard to argue for anyone that he or any Nets fan expected to end up where we are today when they came in Brooklyn in 2019. So I don't think the Nets have what it takes. I don't think getting rid of Steve Nash really moved the needle for me. I think they're the same team that they were before, and I think they're still way too reliant on Durant. So once again, on paper, it's almost impossible to make an argument that they won't be able to put it together. But knowing how the NBA works, knowing how chemistry works, knowing how these guys that demand the ball work, I don't see it happening. Right, because you have to figure with that talent alone, even if it's just KD, for argument's sake, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, let's say Kyrie gets hurt, whatever it may be. They, they, they're going to be a playoff team. And then once they get in the playoffs, assuming they have KD and Kyrie, you, you I mean, I know me from an outside perspective, I'd be scared that the Nets could go on a run because of those two guys. So I guess as long as they're there in Brooklyn, and who knows how long that's going to last, I would look at them as a threat in the Eastern Conference. And when you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, Sonny, give me the Boston legitimate, Milwaukee legitimate. Beyond that, who are the teams that you could see coming back down to earth and maybe the Nets and Knicks can come up a little bit? Well, it's hard to answer that question for me only because there's really no team pulling away. Like the teams ahead of us are are pretty down to earth as it is right now. I think that, because I think the Hawks will be able to sustain what they're doing. I think the Cavaliers are actually underrated. I don't think there's any reason why the Pacers should be better than us. So, And same with the Wizards. So those are two teams ahead of us right now that I think will end up dropping below us. But it, the East is really, really top-heavy and not much outside of that because, listen, my grandpa always tells me, you're only as good as your record says you are. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how good you think you are on paper, how good it seems, if you're sitting here 6-9 and nine like the Chicago Bulls are, you're out of the playoffs right now. If you're 6-9 and nine like the Nets are, you're out of the playoffs. So obviously there are other circumstances at play, but I really truly think that this is a season where, once again, the Knicks are going to have a chance, and all these teams in the East that might not be considered contenders are going to have a chance to make a run and get in playoffs. What's Philadelphia's issue? I expected them to be a lot better. And look, I know it's only 14, 15 games, whatever it may be here, but you're the basketball expert. That's why we're having you on, Basketball Jones. Educate us. What's Philadelphia's issue here? Philadelphia is an interesting one because they kind of have a pretty similar team that they've had for the past few years. You bring in a big signing like P.J. Tucker. A lot of people thought they gave him too much money. He's disappointed throughout the season. Right now, the biggest thing for them is the role playing off the bench because you know what Embiid's going to give you every night. Harden's been pretty good for all things considered. Maxie's incredible, future star. Right now, the biggest problem with the Sixers is that they've had a really tough time getting that consistent support off the bench. And it's going to be a problem for them because when you try to bring in new guys like DeAnthony Melton, you try to get a guy like Georges Niang to keep hitting threes, when those guys can't come in and carry the unit, it's really a problem. And you're seeing it all around the league with some of these teams that tried to go really top-heavy with the Stars, like the Sixers did. They have a lot of money going to the three guys of Embiid, Maxie, and Harden. When you're in that situation, and Tobias Harris, for what it's worth, he's on one of the biggest contracts in the league, too. 
So when those four guys are taking up pretty much 60-70% of your entire cap space, the rest of the guys that you fill in, they have to be able to hit shots. They have to be consistent. And if they're not, you're going to lose games. So that's the problem with the Sixers so far. They've been they've been really struggling to find someone to step up in that sixth, seventh man role. Your knowledge is extremely impressive. Do you know anything about any other sports, Sonny? <laughs> I mean, basketball is definitely my main, but I, I can pre- I can go toe to toe in NFL too. Ooh, I like it. We're talking with Sonny Carton, basketball Jones. All right, let's move over to the Western Conference. Uh, I'm going to say a truth here that I don't know. Maybe I should admit or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is the first time all year I've actually looked at the Western Conference standings. I was surprised to see the Blazers out to a 10-4 and four start in first place. I've always liked Portland. Love Dame Lillard. Like their uniforms as well. Anyway, give me give me the best teams in the West. You mentioned you know we saw Denver without uh, Jokic last night, and Denver's pretty good. Phoenix, obviously, uh, a top uh, team in the Western Conference. Utah in there as well. Knicks taking care of the Jazz and the Nuggets back-to-back nights. Those are good uh, good wins for the Knicks. Anyway, give me the legit teams in the West where everybody thought it was going to be the Warriors, potentially the Lakers. Those two teams are toward the bottom in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think um, as of right now, I wouldn't be too concerned about the Warriors. I mean, the 0-8 road record, which is their worst start to a season in franchise history on the road, is definitely concerning. But, I mean, they've never lost a playoff series when Steph Clay and Draymond have played every game. So I'm not worried about them as the playoffs get closer as long as they make it in. But the other top teams, I mean, Phoenix is going to be there. They're legit as always. And I think people are really, really underestimating the New Orleans Pelicans. Because bringing back Zion, it's not as easy to integrate a player like that as you might think. Because a play- So if we're talking about a player like Steph, right, when he goes out, it's so easy to integrate him back in the game because he's going to move off ball. He's going to be able to hit shots on the perimeter. He's going to get others involved. But when you have a guy like Zion Williamson who leads the, doesn't lead the league, but he's at the top of the league in usage rate, he's not a guy that you can just plug him back into the offense and run the same stuff. When he's not on the court, it's a completely different team. So trying to bring back in someone like that who's going to be super ball dominant, it's really hard. But I think at 9-6 and six so far, they've really impressed me in how they've been able to do that. And C.J. McCollum is really, really playing well, better than I would have expected this late in his career. So I think the Pelicans are a really solid team to look out for because, as I mentioned, the lack of the Knicks, the Pelicans have a legitimate two or three players in Zion, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum that are going to show up every night and give you tough one-on-one matchups. You... So I really like them. I'm sorry, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I was going to say I really like Memphis because when John Morant is on the court, he's one of the most special players I've ever seen. His his dynamic ability to finish at the rim, to get others involved. And the thing I love about Memphis is Ja has no problem sharing the spotlight. That might sound counterintuitive because you see him on social media doing all these dance moves, but he's the (laughs) happiest guy in the world if Desmond Bain scores 30, hits eight threes. He's thrilled when his teammates succeed. So that's why I'm really scared of the Memphis Grizzlies. I wish, I I mean, we all do, but I really wish. I wanted Joss so bad, more than Zion. Can you imagine? Oh, my God, imagine. But think about the bad luck. I mean, Sonny, that's the bad luck that this crappy team that you and I root for has had for 20 years. The idea that they're one pick away, they were supposed to have the number one pick, they fall to three. You couldn't fall to number two and get Oh, You know, my my least favorite take is out there, Sal. My least favorite take is, Oh, if the Knicks would have drafted Halliburton instead of Obi Toppin, you think he'd be as good as he is now? Oh, if the Knicks would have drafted Ja, you think as good as he is now? Of course he'd be as good as he is. Maybe not the same team success, but if Ja was on the Knicks, he'd be putting up 30 and 40 bombs the same way. He'd be dunking on people at the Garden. He'd be the number one most, he'd be the number one most sold jersey in the league right now if he was in New York. 
Dude, there is no. I mean, I don't need. You don't need to be a basketball expert to know John Morant is a superstar stud of a player that is must watch every night. He would have lit this city on fire. We'd be talking Knicks and Ja every single night if you win or lose. And you're right. Maybe they wouldn't have had the same team success. But there's no denying the excitement that he would have brought. And you know, you just you think back to what actually happened and what could have been. You go from Zion or Ja Morant to RJ. Barrett, and it's a big issue. Do you think, and we'll have a couple more for you here, we're talking with Sonny Carton, Basketball Jones, do you think there's more parity this year in the NBA than in years past? I think there's more parity, but less of because anything about the league has done, and more just about the talent that these players are coming in with. The guys that are fifth and sixth off the bench can hit you with dribble moves that you would have stopped to stare at ten years ago. So I think from that standpoint, the guys that just have more talent to be untapped, it, it makes the league have more parity because as you deal with teams with injuries, guys can step up and show you that they can play basketball at a high level too. So I think there's a lot of teams around the league that have been trying to figure out the perfect balance between load managing their stars and getting the continuity of the lineups. And I think to answer your question, a lot of that has come from the fact that these guys in the second units have so much talent and so much ability to score the basketball and get others involved that it's not as big of a deal when you're missing some of your top-end players because they can still show out. And at the same time, a lot of teams are struggling with health issues so far earlier in the season. So I think that's a big contribution to why the records look as they do. But I, I just think, I mean, the talent that you see in every single draft now, your team like the Houston Rockets, they're 3-12, and but their games are so entertaining because they every guy on their team is fun to watch. Like Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, We'll go toe-to-toe with the best teams in the league, and they'll end up losing, but the talent is there. You know, it's an interesting point, and I love that answer because I'm just looking at the standings saying, well, where's the separation? It Usually you can pick out two or three teams, and that's why even with the East, okay, well, I know the Bucs and Celtics are going to be there. What about everybody else? That's a lot of teams to be jumbled in the everybody else category. You look at the West, it's turned upside down. And look, I expect the Warriors to be good as well. But look, the Pelicans, Grizzlies, they can make a run. It's kind of wide open or more so than in years past. And off of that, Sonny, maybe we'll close it with this. What about the Lakers? I mean, it's sad to see LeBron, You know, and not that he's going out, but to have the Lakers down and out like this, what are you seeing that's wrong with the Lakers? And can they get back on track and make a legitimate run in the West? I think this Lakers team was doomed from the start. I think ever since they won that championship and they made some of the most questionable decisions I've ever seen from a front office from the standpoint of what won the Lakers the championship. It was the ability to defend the perimeter and to hit three-point shots. And what they did after they won the championship is they let go three key guys that did that for them. They got rid of Kyle Kuzma, who's one of the biggest frames in the league that can play the wing position. They got rid of KCP, and they got rid of Alex Caruso. Three guys that were incredible at defending and playing offense. So now when you put guys around LeBron, Russell Westbrook, and AD that have never proven that they can do either of those things at a high level, you're destined for failure. Like with this Knicks team, we came into the season, we can't shoot the ball, but at least there were some signs there. Like RJ had a 40% three-point shooting season. Evan Fournier historically showed that he could shoot the three. Quickly is a career 36% shooter. Toppin, obviously. The Lakers have no one that proved that they could shoot. Like, Lonnie Walker has never proved that he could hit shots. Russ is shooting the best three percentage of his career. AD can't hit threes outside of one good season. So what I'm trying to say is the Lakers, it, it, the Lakers were telling on themselves. If they ever truly believed that they were going to be a competent enough roster to win games in today's NBA, because 
they're just not talented enough. The the talent that I just referenced from all the other teams in the league, if I read you the names on the Lakers roster, Pascal, you might not even know some of the guys. Like they I don't have know a guy any named these guys. Matt. You you're they have off guys named, I haven't heard ever in my life before. They have a guy named Matt Ryan who hit a game tying shot for them. I've like, heard of him only because, you know, he's like the quarterback, Matt Ryan, who I love. <laughs> of course, but it, it's really fascinating how they've as I said, took such a steep downhill turn from a championship season. Now, once again, you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis. You should be able to make the postseason because if you don't, you've now missed the playoffs three out of the last five years coming off a championship, which is pretty unacceptable. Yeah, especially with LeBron. I mean, dude, I got to be honest. You've gotten significantly better from the last time we had you on 10 months ago, a year ago, whatever it may be. Your knowledge truly, when it comes to basketball, second to none. I couldn't thank you enough, Sonny. I appreciate the time. Look, I know it's early. I know you're young and hanging out. You're in Miami, right, at school? Yes, sir. Yeah, so, I mean, look, you you guys ordering pizza or something going on right now? It's like the middle <laughs> of your, You're still in the middle of your day here, but I do appreciate it. 3 a.m., I appreciate you taking the time to come on, and you did an excellent job going around the NBA. We'll do it again, maybe before the postseason. Thank you so much. I'd love to. Sonny Carton, Basketball Jones, of course. Look at that. Dude, my head is spinning with some of the names. How the hell is he doing that? That's why I was asking you know about anything else because generally when you have that much information on one sport, hard to have it on the others. Goodness gracious. Yeah, rattling off names, this guy, that guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, right. Heard of him? No, 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 never him. Anyway, do look at the league as having a lot more parity than I could recall in years past. And I'll tell you, the thing that's taken me out of it, I used to love the NBA. You heard me say before with Fleegs, I had the NBA league pass when Ewing left to go to Seattle. I loved it because the Knicks were so good every year in the 90s. I loved, I lived and died with every possession. I was in to the Knicks. And as a byproduct, whoever they were playing, like each game you get into it, you learn about the opponents and you care about the standings because it matters. With the Knicks not mattering for basically the better part of the last two decades, it's knocked a lot of the care out of me. Two years ago, as fun a season as I can remember. Unfortunately, since then, it's been back to reality. Disappointing reality for what was, was once a proud franchise. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.